This week's podcast, I think, is going to be a great treat. It certainly was for me to record, and I hope and believe it will be for you to listen to. I've been in the ministry over 20 years now, and through it all, the greatest blessing to my ministry has been my precious, precious bride, Dana. In in the high moments, in the low moments, in the successes and in the failures, she's been there all along. And I am very aware that I would not be who I am today. I would not have been able to do what uh, God has allowed me to do in ministry if it was not for the gift and support and help that I have received from my my bride, my wife, Dana. So I wanted to bring to you an interview with her. I wanted to do an interview with her and primarily talk about her perspective uh, in in ministry from a pastor's wife, both the positives and the negatives, the highs and the lows, and uh, and let her share her heart with you. So today, I have the great privilege of interviewing my wife, Dana Smith. So Dana, why don't you introduce yourself and do a brief bio for us um, as far as where you come from, who you are, and what you do. Okay, my name is Dana Smith. I am originally from Dalton, Georgia. I grew up there um, until college, went to school for college in Rome, Georgia, at Shorter University, where I met Ben. After we got married, we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where I was an elementary school teacher in the Crowley School District. We had Benjamin, our first son, while we were there in seminary. After that, I took a brief retirement, I like to call it, from teaching and stayed at home with the children for 11 years. Um, In actuality, I say my class shrunk from 20 down to four. So I stayed home with the children until we moved to Waycross, and then I started our second year here back in the education field, and I now teach elementary school at an elementary school here in Waycross, um, Memorial Drive. I teach third grade math. So all of our married life, uh, like most of our married life, uh, you've been a pastor's wife. Uh, early on, I say most, because early on, we were in seminary when we, when, uh, we first got married, and uh, those first two years um, wasn't actively um, in ministry. I was just going to school. So talk with me just a minute about what your perceptions were about what being a pastor's wife would be like um, versus what it really is, and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, the early days of being a pastor's wife and some of the things that you enjoyed, maybe some of the things that you uh, did not find so enjoyable. Okay. Um, To start off with, I do not fit the stereotype of the traditional Southern Baptist pastor's wife. I do not sing, and I do not play the piano. Um, I always made that very clear when we were meeting with search committees in the beginning. Um, And we had small children when we were starting uh, that portion of your career. So the roles for me um, from the beginning were always, first, I was your wife and then mom, and then as I could step in and do things in the church, I would. Our first church, I predominantly helped with the youth. Um, We didn't have a youth the uh, program or department at the, our first church in South Carolina, and so I worked with them predominantly. Um, Benjamin would come along and have to tag along with me. He was our only child at the time. Um, but being involved with you and trying to be at all the services and um, be supportive of you, 
in the church role, that was important from the beginning. Um, establishing relationships with church members, getting to know them, uh, that was always fun for me and important, I thought, in the role of of just a church member, um, not necessarily just because I was the pastor's wife. Um, later on, when we moved to Adel, I had a big role in the women's ministry there and still the children's ministry. Um, I think some of that coming from my the gift I think God gave me of teaching for the children's part, um, and then just wanted to see women minister to in the church. I've been very fortunate in the churches we've been in that they have not had great uh, expectations, uh, and that meaning they didn't have a list of jobs that they expected me to do. They were very understanding that first I was the mom of our family, and um, I would do pastoral, not pastoral, but ministerial type things as I could and could make it work with our family. But I've been very fortunate in that the um, demands upon me have been very small, or at least I have felt they've been very small. Um, I think part of my job was to be supportive of you and in the ministries you were in, to try to be there um, for you. Some of the things you asked that I liked or didn't like, um, I liked the lower expectations on me. And when churches found out that I did not sing or play the piano, that was not a um, deal ender. That was okay. Um, what I didn't enjoy, and I don't think any pastor's wife enjoys, is seeing when your husband's hurt or things don't go well and he's the one that immediately catches the blame. Um, that hasn't happened often, but when it does happen, that's that's not fun to watch. So, so building on that, um, tell me tell me one of the, the high points, one of the things that um, over the course of the last 20 plus years in ministry that you remember or think about with, with great fondness connected to being a pastor's wife, maybe something that maybe you would not have have experienced if it were not in your role as being a pastor's wife? Getting to have families or um, even more specific, just the ladies of the church in our home. Um, because I wouldn't be connected with all of them by age or demographics if it wasn't for me being the pastor's wife. Um, that's fun f- for me to get to do that and experience interactions with them. Um you know, a few years ago, we had a Christmas gathering of the ladies in our home to do cards and have cookies and drink coffee together. And, and that was fun to get the different dynamics of the intergenerational group. For me, that was fun to do. All right. So building off that last question, what's one of, what's, what has been one of the lowest moments uh, in, in, your, in your ministry, in your, in your walk with the Lord, in your family life? Um, that was likely a result of being a pastor's wife? That role of a minister's family can sometimes be a lonely role, Um, meaning that you may not be able to have super tight, close friends within the church body. That's a difficult position to be in, especially for someone who likes to be with people. Mm. Having tried to establish relationships like that, and then having those turn, 
was probably the lowest point for me in our ministry time together. Um, That's not to say God hasn't blessed us with great friends within the church. But to have that relationship where you can unload freely, confidently, and without any barriers, without not having that is a a difficult role. Um, And then to have what you thought might have been that turn on you was a low point. So, with that said, how has what 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 word of advice would you give to a a young couple, particularly a, a young um, couple just starting out in in ministry, and, and a pastor's wife as far as relationships that she would develop in the church? Because because I, I I'm hearing, I think I hear both the desire and the goodness of having relationships within the church. So, what advice would you give? her and and then secondly to that how has the lord provided for you um in areas where maybe what you desired could not or would not be met within the context of the church okay um my suggestion would be have friends within your congregation um don't alienate yourself from them but your deep Friends, like growing up, you might have called your very best friend or your bestie, have that relationship outside of your congregation. Um, If you're a stay-at-home mom like I was to start with in the pastor's wife's role, that's a little more difficult because you're limited on your interaction. Um, But if you're able to have that connection with other ladies outside of your church, take advantage of that. Find someone there that could be that person and enter that relationship, um, the sharing portion of how you open you feel you can be slowly. Um, Do it with guards up, and as you can, lower your guards. Um, I have been very fortunate here in um, Waycross to be able to go back into the education field, and I've met great friends through teaching of whom I teach with. Um, one in particular whose husband is also in the ministry, but we're not at the same church. So we share a lot of the same thoughts on ministry life. And for both of us, that relationship is an avenue to where we can open up with one another. Um, the trust is there to know that what we say to one another stays with with the two of us. And I count that friendship as a true blessing that I can have a confident that's someone I can share my heart with and the same for her that she can share her heart with me and um, we get to be that relationship for one another. All right, changing gears here just for a minute. Um, I'm very aware that because you're married to me and so when we go to church, I'm the one typically preaching that... uh, for the majority now of your married life, um, I am the one who has um, um, preached. You, you have heard me preach more than anybody else. And so I joke um, within the church, y'all can leave. <laughs> y'all can find somebody else to preach. But if there's one person out there who's stuck with my preaching, it's my bride. My children are going to grow up, marry, and move off someday. And um, 
And so they won't even have to listen to me preach for their whole lives, but you're stuck. Um, so for better or worse, um, I, I feel that, that sense of responsibility to you more than anybody else because that I know um, my faithfulness in the pulpit and, and, and you being listening to my preaching all that, all that time and, and um, is, uh, is, I sense that as a responsibility. Um, how have you, as a pastor's wife, knowing that, um, you know, your relationship with me and, and, and like most, most pastors, I guess this is like most pastors, when, when we're on our way home from church on Sunday morning, you know, I'm always asking, hey, how was it? And you always have a sweet answer. <laughs> And um, when I both hit a home run and when I hit a single and when I fell out, um, how have you, as as a believer, um, uh, uh, guarded your own heart? I'm not sure that's not the right way. How have you, as a believer, um, stayed fresh in your walk with the Lord, um, knowing behind the scenes the the preacher and his failures and his successes and um, and, and my growth as a, as a pastor, hopefully I'm, I'm better in the pulpit today than I was 20 something years ago when we got started. But, um, how have you, particularly just in that context of preaching ministry, worship ministry, how have you found ways to stay fresh and, and grow deeper in the Lord, um, while being very limited in who you hear preach, um, (laughs) every week? Um, you have asked those questions from the very beginning. Um, you know, how did I do? It's always a, a tough spot to put the wife in. Um, do you critique it or do you say, "Yay, you did a great job"? <laughs> um, but for the overall, your past, your ministry of preaching and me being a part of your congregation has been um, a blessing to me. Um, I take back from you presenting to the congregation and just to friends and family that have talked about, you know, I can't go to that church. I don't like how they do this. or I don't like how they do that. Um, your guideline has always been, is the word being preached? Um, then that's the main focus. And then are you, and in Bible studies I've gone to, are you gaining something from the word? It's not whether it's the style that I like, but am I getting fed from the word? And with your preaching and your pastoral ministry and study, you have been faithful from the beginning to preach the word. I don't ever have to worry about getting opinions. You come from scripture. Um, you live what you preach in the pulpit. I get to see that on a front row basis. So I don't have any hesitations in that area of is he really doing what he's asking us to do? I get to see that lived out. Um, on my own, as far as just being a member of the congregation and trying to pay attention and grow, um, some of your series I've heard before, because in different locations we've done different things, but it's always something new. And that, I think, goes back to you're faithful to preach the Word, but God's Word is faithful to be living. And um, a fresh word to me each time I hear it and um applicable to what's going on in my life at that time. That's good. That's good. And I did not pay her. <laughs> 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 no, he did not. 
Um, when I when I was a high school student and um, sensing God's call in my life to ministry, one of the the one of the words of advice that I got from multiple people that I now look back on and I'm not sure. No, that's not. I am sure it's not good advice. I think I understand why they said it, but but I wouldn't. I would not say this to a young man telling me today that he was called to preach. But one of the advices I got often was, if you can do if you can do anything else, do that. So I'd say, hey, I think I'm called to to pastor, and they'd go, oh, if you can do anything else, do that. I, I think what they were trying to dig at was, if you can do anything else, then, then maybe you're not called to this. And so, you know, think about that. I wish they would have said, um, Ben, if if you're called to preach, then you can't do anything else. Make sure that's your calling. And then talk to me why they were pushing me backwards in that it's a difficult life. And there's, you know, the the earthly rewards are not that grand in, in pastoral ministry. The burdens are pretty heavy and... There may be more low moments than there are high moments, and there's just some there's just some unique difficulties in ministry that um, that are a heavy burden. Um, if you had a young lady today that came up to you and and said to you, hey, I, "I either feel called to be a pastor's wife," which I think you'd have to ask if they had sanity already there, <laughs> but either they said they felt called to be a pastor's wife, or they were a, a young lady getting ready to be married. And their future spouse felt a call to ministry. And so they were asking you, what is this life going to be like? Um, what should I know? What should I not know? What advice would you give? And did you get any advice early on that you that you look back on and think either that was good or bad? Okay, I'm going to answer the second part first. No, I did not get any advice um, on how to be a pastor's wife or what that life would be like. Um, my only experience was watching the pastor's wives I had growing up, advice I would give to someone um, would be, you're going to have to share your husband. Um, Be willing to share your husband, share your family. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but there will be moments when he will be called away from you, uh, called away from plans you already had made. Um, And one suggestion on that would be, the two of you need to decide how you're going to handle that. How are you going to handle a death has arrived in a family, the person has died. Yes, you need to minister to that family, but you, your family has something planned at that moment. Um, something that, well, I take that back. I was given a little advice, but after the fact uh, that we were already married, and it was along that line, celebrate the living, the dead are dead. Mm-hmm. Not meaning don't minister to that family in their time of sorrow, in their time of grief and loss. But if your family had something planned right then, finish that activity and then go step into the ministerial role. But that's something you have to work out together. Um, Growing up as a firefighter's kid, I guess I was a little prepared for you having to be pulled away or being called on on all hours of the night with my dad having to go in sometimes for a fire um, to help fight fire during the middle of the night or on his off days. But it does put a demand on your family. Um, so that's, and it's not a, there's no shift of when you're on, when you're off, you're on all the time. Um, another advice would be 
you and your family be you and your family. You're not any different than any family in the congregation. Although you get to be put up on a pedestal or and that not meaning a high praise part, but more a better way would be saying you're in a fishbowl where everybody's watching you and your family as you're raising young children, as you're doing some of that on your own because your husband's up on the pulpit, um, or he's pulled away to a funeral and you're having to manage the family. You do it just as if you were normal Sally Joe church member. Your children are children. You and your husband are um, man and wife, humans. Um, do it as just like everybody else would, having those expectations of living in a godly home, seeking to do what's right and do the very best you can. That's good. Now, um, caveat to this next question, I reserve the right to edit it out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask it both for you and for me. Um, Okay. So what is a moment of your greatest success as a pastor's wife? Something you're most proud of that you did. Brag moment. Hmm. Okay. Um, maybe working with the ladies at our church in Adel, because the women's ministry, there was one. They had a um, WMU program and the BYW program for the younger ladies. Um, taking that as a moment to not just meet as a social club, but use that moment as a time to dig into God's Word as well, to um, make that more focused on what is God doing in our lives? How can we grow as young women? Um, I didn't do that on my own. We had a great uh, music minister's wife as well that had that vision and together we worked on moving the BYW or Baptist Young Women's group in that direction. Um, and then as a whole, bouncing off of that, just working with our ladies in the church to have a sense of uh, belonging together, a sense of trying to grow in the Word, doing Bible studies together. I guess that would be a plus. All right, so the the... Converse of that is, what's the moment of your your greatest failure as a pastor's wife? (laughs) On the same avenue. Um, Be the leader of those Bible studies and then find that I had not put into it what I was asking the ladies to put into it. Um, A mom of four kids, you're busy. That's an excuse, and it shouldn't be, but it is, to not accomplish Bible studies and have my homework done. Um, But... On that same avenue, doing one of the Bible studies, the the leader of the study that we were working through would encourage you, don't worry about if you get behind, keep coming, stay on top of where we are. And even you would encourage me, stay faithful to going, you're still gaining from it. Um, there will come time when your schedule's a little more open to making sure you're getting the homework done, but be diligent in attempting and trying and the process of where I'm going, the heart of what I'm trying to do. All right. So this is the part where I reserve the right to edit. Um, So what is, from your perspective, um, 
my moment of greatest success, um, moment of um, great ministry, something that you're most proud of? Oh, to find just one? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking you were going to have a hard time finding any. (laughs) No. um, One just recently that's been neat to see how your leadership has involved the entire congregation um, was or is the um, meet Operation Meet Your Neighbors mm-hmm. to encourage the congregation to meet the people who live within a one-mile radius of our church and to see that involve people whom I would not have expected to get so excited about it, to see their passion grow for that um, through your leadership on that, your prompting and encouragement to them to do that. Um, you have a great ability to encourage people to get involved and then to they follow your leadership and you're right there with us out meeting the neighbors. Um, that's a great example of leading by doing. Um, then your discipline to encourage the congregation as you read through or you're preaching through books of the Bible that are not fun to preach through or that, oh, that's not as exciting as this one, um, but how you've taken that on and encouraged the congregation to read through, to study through the books of the Bible, even if they don't look exciting or you know the story and you're like, eh, I don't want to read that. That's going to convict me. And But you encourage us to, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what. Um, that's why it's there. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be between the bindings of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two that I can think of. Uh, your excitement of baptizing new believers, um, that's encouraging to watch and to see and how you challenge people when they're struggling, and you've done this for me. What does Scripture say? You always lead us back to what does Scripture say? If it's in agreement, then you're doing okay. If not, then we need to make some adjustments. Um, You've been faithful to that way back from seminary days to now, that has not wavered at all. So here's the part that I might edit. <laughs> Another part. What, uh, from your perspective, what's been a moment of my greatest failure or the lowest moment? It's okay if you need to pause and really think through because I'm, I'm hoping you're having a hard time finding one. Time management is not the right title for it because you do it a great job with time, with scheduling and all that. But um, when we had two young children and I've been with them all the week at home by myself and the weekend comes, which should have been your off time, and then you are still having to prepare, still having to get things done. And so I was still, it felt very much like single parenting, um, even on off days. So that would be a struggle. And then maybe not taking time when you needed some reprieve time. Mm. Seeing that on your own, I think you knew it. I just don't think you wanted to take the time to pull away when you needed a break to refresh yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically. Um, You're a hard worker. You want to keep going. Um, To see that that was a need I don't, and I wouldn't call that a failure, just that you didn't want to stop to take that pause for your own mental and spiritual renewing. 
That's good. So there was a season where um, ministry was very, very difficult, and um, there were some external forces that were or realities that were all conspiring to create a, a, a context of a depletion. I think it's probably the best word um, that ex- that was experienced. You mentioned physically, mentally, and and spiritually. Um, I would imagine that that's probably not unique to us. Um, but but in those in that season, um, you drove the boat for a little bit as far as um, demanding might be too strong of a word because I never sensed that you were forcing. But you you very much um, pushed us into some opportunities to take some breaks, um, and and to get away. Um, you you planned some things almost without my knowledge. Not that I didn't know about it, but you you sort of said this is what we're going to do, and um, and, and we went and did it. And 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 I remember it, I, when I think back on those days, I wasn't putting together, frankly, that you were trying to provide opportunity for rest and. Um, um, and renewal. I just thought you wanted to to get away <laughs> and go somewhere. <laughs> um, and you know, we've talked about it a lot since. And and you had some purpose and some um, in, um, intensity behind those moments. So speak to that. How does a how does a, a bride who is is seeing um, some some dangerous. Um, realities in her husband's ministry and life that are maybe he's not well um, physically, maybe he's um, spent spiritually or Mm -hmm. or otherwise. And um, I know every marriage is different. Um, In ours, um, I tend to be a little bit, um, what's the right word to say? Um, um, Tenacious, is that kind? (laughs) Bullheaded would be the maybe the end, um, but, but not willing to relent. And so, I mean, I, just my personality is we're going to just keep charging, and right. um, even if um, everything's falling apart, we're going to keep charging. So, um, and, and you, you in grace um, walked through some of those days and provided for me um, opportunities to get away that that I probably would not on my own have done. And I think that's just a beautiful testimony of why God put husband and wife together, that, that you were ministering to me even when I wasn't aware. Um, so speak to the pastor's wife who, they're in a difficult spot right now. Um, her husband does not want to stop. He, he feels the weight. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's where I felt the weight and I did not feel free in that in that ministry. I didn't feel right. like I was free to take a moment for myself. And and I knew that, it, or I feared that if I did take a moment for myself, that the the, the grumpies right you know, <laughs> would would use that as an opportunity of accusation. And um and, and so I just I was just barreling ahead. And and by grace, you were able to to find some place in our some space in our life to, for respite and. In. So, how would you, as a, what advice would you give to a, a pastor's wife right now who they're in that situation? Their, her husband, pastor, does not want to go away, but she sees some some dangerous realities brewing mm-hmm. for him physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, how would you encourage her, um, counsel her, and in, in ministering to her family, to her husband in that context? Okay. 
Um, to use your word, tenacious, she also will have to be tenacious. Um, but on the opposite side, um, seek out something to do to be a rest, whether it's a time to get away, if you can afford to do that, to take a, a vacation. Um, definitely make sure you take your family vacation, whether it's just the two of you or it's you and your children. Even if it's a staycation or you go visit your parents, if you don't have funds to go somewhere, but take that moment to recharge, um, renew yourself. You'll come back a better person, a better pastor's family, because you've taken a moment to step out of that role and out of that um, demand upon your family's life. You're a good watch of your husband. Um as his wife, you see him all the time. You see the good, the bad. Learn to read that um, and approach it as much as you can with grace and kindness and gentleness. And um, But it may come upon you to be the planner, to be that organizer and just say, okay, this is available. We've got this time. Um, I need you to check the calendar, and I need you to put down that we're going to be gone for this chunk of time. Um, we just need some family time. We need some time to get away. In the long run, I think that's better, even if it does allow the grumpies to to use that as ammunition. Um, you just you need a break. You need to reset. You need a moment, if no other term to use, to get away from the grumpies. You need a moment where things, where you're surrounded by people who are on your side, who are encouraging of you to um, refuel so that you're able to go back and face um, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, the fun times and the not so fun times. So I would suggest and encourage you to be sure that you try to find that time. And then even if you're able to get away, Block in, this is more work on your part as the wife or the mom of the family, but try to block in some time where your husband can just be by himself for a little bit. Um, If that means sleeping in a little later, it means you take the kids for an hour or so to the pool or wherever, just so they can have a few moments just to unwind and or sleep later, take a nap. Um, That physical drain is also there. Um, So those little areas that seem taxing maybe on you to start with will pay off dividends in the long run. Now, what's uh, what conflates sometimes, at least it did for us, was in those seasons where we most needed time away, um, we also had the least amount of funds. (laughs) So, um, and I don't know why this is, but it seems that the, the churches that demanded the most on us also provided the least. And so we found ourselves needing to go away, but but didn't have two nickels to rub together. Right. Um, and you have been amazing at finding some places and opportunities to get away that, that cost us very little um, financially. So just as a, as a pro tip here, um, <laughs> uh, share um, some of the things that you have found over the years that were the good places to go or things to do that, that were not burdensome on the, on the budget. Okay. Um, one area, but with caution, is if you have someone in your congregation who's willing to 
share a place that they have, um, whether it's somewhere at the beach, somewhere in the mountains. They're part of a timeshare, and they're willing to let you borrow it. Um, If that's someone that's trustworthy and you feel comfortable doing that, take advantage of it, even if it means you have to ask. If someone in your congregation has said, you know, we have a house at the beach, you're welcome to use it, just let me know and I'll check the schedule, that means you have to get up the courage to go ask. And even if it's every other year, every year, you still have to um, be strong and be courageous and go ask. Uh, Most of the time, those people will say yes, and there's you a place to go with no cost other than your food or what you do there. Um, It's okay to take food and cook while you're away. It's not really a break for you, maybe, but... um, but it's a different context, and so it can have a different outlook. Um, some places we've been, uh, we went to Laguna Beach one time, not your um, five-star hotel uh, place to stay, but very clean, very family-friendly, very inexpensive for the time we went. You have to check their seasons. They do a lot of camps, and so you'd have to check if they're off-season or if it's in the middle of camp time and um but there, that, there's a there's a Laguna Beach. I think it's Christian Resort. Oh, okay. Yeah, not just the beach. Yeah, um, and we stayed at the resort. Well, um, and it's not really a resort. It's, um, <laughs> it's a camp. <laughs> it's a camp. Yeah. Um, but that looking back on that vacation, that was one of the most fun vacations we've had. Probably the most relaxing vacation we had. Um, we had four small children at that time. You didn't have to worry about them destroying somebody's things at their beach house or at their condo. Um, And like I said, it was low-key. It was very basic, but we had a lot of time together, and so that was fun for us. Um, Vacation Rental by Owners is another website that I've used several times to find places that are inexpensive and um, allow us to do things with our family. Being ahead of the game uh, time-wise that's always a help. If you're doing something last minute, you may not be able to find the best deals, but if you can plan it out far enough in advance, uh, catching those early bird type specials, and sometimes you'll get a you know a spur of the moment deal if somebody's got something they just want to go ahead and get rented. But um, and then get creative around where you live. It, you don't have to leave. Um, buy a tent. <laughs> you can go camping um, at a local state park or. Um, Something like that, I would suggest that in the cooler weather, not in the peak of summer. We live in South Georgia. (laughs) Um, I mean, but that is a fun thing. Your family makes memories. It's sometimes a lot more work camping, especially with small kids, but they think that's cool. And you're away from things, and it gives you a chance to be focused on just each other and um, the kids at that time. There's not the demand of everybody pulling at you that way. That's good. Now you said uh, when you when you're mentioning uh, folks in the church that mm-hmm. um, let you stay in their place, you said with caution. What's the caution that you were referring to? Um, the caution there, just like if you have um, professionals within your congregation that are willing to help you out, whether that be a doctor, a dentist, a mechanic, a carpenter, um, that is a a walk you I would suggest to do carefully. 
Um, you don't want it to look like you're taking advantage of that because they're in your congregation and you think they're going to just do what you need because you are the pastor's family. Um, but then also, you hate to say, but on a flip side, you don't want that to be held over your husband's head either. Well, I let you go do this, so I want you to do what I want in the church. Um Sometimes it's very beneficial to you and your family, um, and there's no strings attached, for a lack of a better word. Um, other times you f- you may feel, and you just have to kind of use your ability to sense that through. Um, would it be better for me just to go and pay normal price to do this instead of take advantage of a free opportunity if that's going to cause conflict later down the road? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by that. And for you and I, we've been blessed that most of that in our ministry and our family's life have been strings off, no strings attached, and just true gifts for our family. Yeah. So we, we've talked a lot about uh, family, and of course, we where we are in life is our children um, are. Um, we got one in college, um, one almost in college. He's a senior, one a freshman, and. And then a middle schooler. So we're toward the end. I mean, I can see the end in sight <laughs> as far as becoming empty nesters. So, but, but most of the time we have, we've had younger children. So, mm-hmm. um, of, well, all of our time of ministry, has, we've had right. younger children. So um, that's why we've talked so much about family and those sort of things. But one of the key things that I think, and I don't think I know, is of vital importance to the health of any pastor and pastor's wife is maintaining a healthy relationship between the two, husband and wife. And, the, of course, the difficulty there is um, in church ministry, you are pulled away often. And you mentioned the demands away from family and mm-hmm. demand away from home. And, and then um, in those seasons where it's difficult and exhaustion, um, you, I would imagine that you, you go and, and you do what you have to do at work. Uh-huh. And at ministry, and then you come home and you're depleted, and there's just not much for family life, and that also affects married life. So, um, speak just a little bit about being married to the pastor, and um, and and how how do you um, in your role in your in your side of the relationship, um, how do you protect both that that relationship? How do you um, and how do you work toward growing it, deepening it? Um, and, and what are some of the, the dangers um, that you have to guard against? Okay. Um, that was a big question. It is a big question. And to answer it in a small answer, I would say be intentional. Um, even in what you're, you would like to be spontaneous, um, you know, on the spur of the moment, oh, let's go do this. Let's go out to eat together. In the ministry role, you may have to be more intentional because of that scheduling demand, um, that pull, like you mentioned, on your family. Um, you may have to plan a scheduled date time, a date night, time to be together. Um, and that's okay. Uh, there'll be moments when it can be spontaneous and you go with it. There'll be others when it needs to be scheduled. Um, the flexibility in plans changing. Sometimes that's hard. Um, I'm one of those that if we say we're going to do it, I expect us to do it. And I have a hard time sometimes adjusting to when it can't happen. Um, 
so I would encourage uh, other ministers' wives that are maybe just starting in this role, go ahead and know you're going to need to be flexible. At the same time, that does not mean that you do not fight for your time. Um, it's very easy to allow demands of church and ministry world to suck that time away. Mm. That goes back to my first phrase, be intentional. Um, if it means you have to schedule time, schedule the time so that you don't lose that time together. Um, if your church or your association offers workshops for pastors and pastors' wives, um, take advantage of it. If it's like you said, where you don't have two nickels to rub together for you to provide for that, approach the church and ask. You know, I think this would be very important in the health of our marriage and our relationship together that we have a little bit of time, just the two of us, and see if they wouldn't help cover that cost or um, split the cost with you, some way to make it happen. Because if that relationship is better, then I think that also, back to you know your husband taking time for himself and to renew, that marriage relationship being renewed and protected and fought for, I think will then also bless his time in the pulpit because mm-hmm. that's not a struggle or it's not a mental game you're having to worry about. You just don't have to worry about that element of life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, I, I, I don't I don't pretend to have figured this out when we first started, um, but somewhere along the way, um, you know, I've always felt that pressure to put the church first and do church ministry first. And but somewhere along the way, it, I clued in that. Um, churches will, will dump you, you know, I mean, they, they'll, uh, you know, I've talked with guys who um, did great ministry and, and then one day the church said, we want somebody younger. And uh, so they dumped them because they said they were too old. I've been, not any longer, but I've been there where churches said, oh, you're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. We want, you know. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that the reality is you, you're unlikely to, to be at that church for the rest of your life. Um, but by God's grace, um, and as a great gift, you and I are stuck together and, and wherever you go, I pack two bags cause I'm going with you. And, and so to come to the reality that I want to protect, um, our relationship first. And if that means, um, doing less or a cost to my church ministry, um, I'm willing to make that, that decision because if I, if, if it's a choice, it's not always been a choice, very seldom been a choice. But if it is a choice, choose your wife or your church, I'm going to choose my, my bride um, because we're going to stay together <laughs> no matter what. Um, any dangers out there that you think that you see uh, as unique to pastors' families that, that challenge the, the marriage relationship? Um, time. I think that's a big one. Um it could be the hidden thief that you don't realize is stealing away that time. Hmm. Um, you think, oh, well, we'll catch up tomorrow. Well, tomorrow comes and goes, and you still haven't had time to talk. Because there have been days, and then, of course, our family's busy with four children going in four different directions. Um, I'm teaching, you're pastoring, so we are a busy family. But those moments where we've passed and you go through the week and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> have I spent 30 minutes talking to you? Or not. Um, so that hidden thief of time, guard against that as much as you can. Um, and then 
I had something else and it's left me. I'm sure it was good too. Um, let's see. Tell me the question again. <laughs> Any dangers? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, yes, the dangers. Um, you know, you don't you would hope there would never be the the fear of doubting if the faithfulness would be there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way I think that helps to avoid that is if, you know, we made this decision early on when you're meeting with people, um, especially if it's ladies that you're having to meet with, either there's another lady on staff there with you, I'm with you sometimes, or you meet with the door open, just so there's no um, sense of anything that could be said or taken out of context to protect that union between you and myself. Um, I mean, I would make that suggestion to minister families, um, especially if you're just starting out, set that as your guideline, that you're not going to meet with, um, you know, ladies after hours. If you do, you come to my house and my wife is there, or you schedule a time in the office. Um, On that same note, even at church, if someone comes up to you after church, I don't like to leave you, whether it's men or women, by yourself there. Just and that's with anywhere or any job. You don't want to be just two people all the time. You like to have other people around. You would hope no one would make an accusation, but at least there's the third listening party mm-hmm. um, there. Um, so those might be some of the dangers I th- that come to mind. And and then guard your your kids um, if you have children. You know, you may hear people talk about, oh, they're pastor's kids or they're PKs. They're just kids like anybody else. I grew up as a deacon's kid. I'm not any different than a choir member's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, our pastor's children are not any different than a Sunday school teacher's kid. Um, they're kids, and you do the best you can, and you uh, try to lead them the way of the Lord and to follow His guidance and His teachings. And mm-hmm. and they're going to mess up just like everybody else, and you try to make that very clear in your home that, yes, they're the pastor's children, but that doesn't mean you expect, I don't expect them to behave any differently than I would um, my next door neighbor's kids who are members of our church. You know, going back to, to guarding uh, the marriage and connecting it to time is one of the things that, and I think I read this way back, and I, I want to say it was Billy Graham, mm-hmm. that um, early on in his in his ministry, he was traveling a lot. He, he made the decision that he'd never spend the night in a hotel room by himself. So we always had mm-hmm. um, somebody there. It's just an accountability partner. And um, now I don't, m- my ministry's not really had a requirement of a lot of travel, but I do a little. And um, for the most part, now not always, but for the most part, I've, I've tried to bring um, somebody along, one of our kids or somebody along, sometimes a staff member, but um, just as a, as a, you know, as an accountability um, issue. But, but also I, for, for a time thing, whenever you've been able to travel with me, it's a double blessing. So right. I have you with me and I enjoy that time, but it also gives us time away. And, um, and, and, you know, when, when it's, um, you know, so the, we we attend our our denomination's annual meeting um, most summers, and there was a season where you couldn't go, and and uh, when our kids were little, and so I started taking some kids, and that was wonderful um, memory making with each of our children, um, and I and I I will cherish those memories forever. The but there is, but I have enjoyed having you with me, and mm-hmm. the and the time and the memories we've made um, doing those things together. We 
early on, um, we did some conferences together. Now, as as our children got a little older and, and when you began to work, that was much more difficult um, right. to make that happen. But that was always a, a blessing, and it had the double blessing of both accountability and and time together. All right, so just to, to, to um, change gears just a little bit, in 2020, uh, COVID-19 19 came, and uh, from my perspective, leading a church, everything has changed. And so many of the old skills that we had as far as gathering people, ministering to people, outreach, in-reach, um, keeping up all those things of ministry, we're having to rethink um, how to do that because, I mean, gathering is more difficult, finding people is more difficult, um, distinguishing between those who are staying home because of COVID versus those who have dropped out of church is more difficult. Just everything is is more difficult. And so um, it's been a struggle. Um, from your perspective, um, as a church member, as a pastor's wife, um, with a unique perspective of sitting on the pew and sitting behind the scenes, um, what do you see um, has been the biggest change uh, with COVID? And what are the, the new challenges these days with COVID in, in relationship to, to doing ministry? Um, I agree with the, the approach has had to be different. You've had to get more creative in how you make things happen, how you interact with people, how you get your services out there. How do you attend church? Hmm. Um, sometimes it was watching at home on TV when we were shut down and no one was coming out and going places, um, to sitting you know, every other pew, sitting only with your family, not, not having welcome time, waving at people across the sanctuary instead of going to speak to them. Um, I think that has... Dampered may not be the right word, but um, I don't know a better one, of the experience of being together so that you, yes, we're together when we can, but it's not the social aspect of it, like you mentioned, of keeping in touch with people going. Sometimes during the welcome time was would be when I could meet with people who are not in our Sunday school group, and I could ask questions, you know, how are you doing? And I would find out about things in their life or surgeries coming up hmm. that now we don't get to know about. Um, making sure people don't fall through the fray or um, fall through the cracks right now is harder because you don't see them. Um, whether they don't feel safe to come back or they're quarantining um, and you just miss them through that connection somehow. Um, for our own family, you know, our kids having, they would, their friends were getting to stay home. We would be going to church. Um and so for them, trying to explain that, that yes, but we're going to be faithful and we're going to be supportive and this is just how it's going to work for us, um, took some getting used to and explaining to them. Um, now coming back that things are opening up and even in the light of the second wave of COVID coming through, trying to maintain the new normal of trying to get church going again or getting the normal rotations of Sunday school and um, church services on Sundays and back to programs on Wednesdays. Um, it's a changing years because you were out of it for a while. So it even for a family who's used to being in church, that's a shift. You have to get yourself back into that habit. And for me, seeing that, I could see very easily how our church members fall into that habit of I've missed a couple of Sundays 
I, I, it's hard to get back in the swing of going back to mm-hmm. regular attendance. I don't know if that answered your question at all. No, it did. It did. All right, and here's how we're going to close it. This is a big one. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. So we are, I guess we are at midlife, just about at midlife. <laughs> Depends on when the end of life comes. <laughs> but we're close to the, our midlife. So um, thinking forward. Mm-hmm. to either the day when we're no longer in active ministry, we're retired and we're the has-beens, uh-huh. or even beyond that, when the Lord calls us home and we're the, the used-to-bes. Um, and thinking about what you would like people to remember about you, mm-hmm. um, remember about your ministry, say about you, um, what is it that you hope, what legacy do you hope you leave um, to the church, um, to your family, your children, um, of your ministry and of your work among them? She didn't always get it right, but she tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she tried to the end. Uh, I don't want to be ever considered to be the church member who sat and soaked all the time and never gave back. Um, just because I reach a certain age or retirement, that doesn't mean... I get to quit doing what God's called us to do, whether that's just helping out in the Sunday school class or with children's ministry or some other avenue um, in life. I don't want to be the person who's reflected on and repeated that she said, oh, I've served my time, now I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be it. Um, I don't always get it right. I have to go back and ask for forgiveness and apologize a lot. But I want it to be said I tried. Hmm. That's a good word. That's a good word. So Dana is a runner and uh, has been a runner most of her life. So I think what I hear you saying is you want to run all the way to the finish line. and Past the finish line. You don't stop until you're past the finish line. <laughs> oh, and she's a cross-country coach, too. So if we're getting a little coaching, <laughs> run past the finish line. Run, That's right. Run, run hard ready. all the way through to the very end. That's a good word. Run the race to win. I think Paul had something to say about that. I think so, too. Very good. Well, Dana, thank you so much for your time today. Um, you've been the best pastor's wife I've ever been married to. <laughs> and uh, I, I've been blessed. Our family's been blessed. And I, I have no doubt that our churches that we've been um, able to minister among have been have been blessed because of you. And my, my hope is, my prayer is that wherever this podcast goes, to the tens of people that listen, <laughs> that, <laughs> that maybe in those 10, they, there's, a, there's a pastor's wife, maybe um, uh, a young lady who is preparing for this life, and uh, that this word would be an encouragement to her. Um, maybe there's a young pastor who is thinking how he can be a good husband um, to his wife, and uh, maybe this would be an encouragement and a good word to him as well. So thank you. Thank you for the time and the bravery to do the, to the, do the interview with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to All for the Kingdom, a weekly podcast of my preaching ministry. For more sermons, blog posts, and other related content, go to bensmithsenior.org. That's bensmithsr.org. I am the pastor of Central Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. I would love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 201 Ava Street here in Waycross. Our morning services begin at 10.30 a.m. For more information about Central Baptist, go to cbcwaycross.org. Again, thank you for listening. And until the Lord returns, let us live each moment all for the King and all for the Kingdom.